Good afternoon. Welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Hope you're having a good weekend. Uh, my name is Dave Palmer, uh, host of this program, executive director of the station. Diane Xavier is running the board and we're glad you are listening. And I, I must say one of my favorite types of interviews for this interview of the week uh, are when I'm able to interview local Catholic authors about books that they've written. Because I'm an author myself and I know the process and I know the struggle and it's 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 a challenge and uh, i wrote one book and i don't know if i'll write a second one but uh it's a difficult challenge and so when somebody actually uh publishes one it's quite uh, an accomplishment and i recently was contacted by a gentleman by the name of tony cullink and uh he's kind of new to the dallas north texas area in fact his family is still back in florida uh he is a father of five children three grandkids and he has written the first of a series of books uh, called Shadow in the Dark, and uh, we'll kind of talk about the plot and all that and what it's about and how you can get your hands on it in just a moment. But, Tony, thanks for coming to the studio. Good to see you. Oh, great to see you. Thanks for having me. You're a, you're a law professor. That's your, quote, real job, right? That is my real job. That's what pays the bill, since, as you know, writing doesn't. Yeah, and uh, tell me a little bit about your background, because I always like to know, you know who, who the author is. Uh, cradle Catholic, like many people fell away at one point during high school. So what, what's your faith journey? Yeah, so um, I grew up in New Jersey, uh, Catholic family, and um, you know, got married very young and uh, started having children very young. And sometime around that time, uh, I did fall away from the church and uh, started going to a Bible church and kind of became a born-again Christian. And um, you know, actually wound up coming back to the church after meeting a, uh, a very faithful Catholic that I was working with, who I thought I was going to convert away from Catholicism. <laughs> Often and, happens that uh, way, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and then he introduced me to the uh, you know Apostolic Fathers and to church history. And uh, probably within a year, um, I realized, oh wow, <laughs> yeah, know? this didn't go in the way I thought it was <laughs> going to go. Right? It's not really possible to uh, to be uh, yeah. <clears throat> to do this with once I know my history. And uh, so I wound up coming back to the church and. Um, you know, spent 21 years in the uh, U.S. Air Force, uh, went to law school in Florida, actually, um, at the University of Florida, and uh, was an Air Force JAG. And then when I retired from the Air Force in 2012, I started uh, teaching at law schools. And uh, now I'm here in Dallas at, yeah. uh, at the University of North Texas, Dallas College of Law. Okay. So you're a professor. And then how about the writing? Uh, you know, because obviously you're, you're having the kids, grandkids. Uh, that's a busy life in itself. You got the job thrown on top of that. And now all this, you know, you're saying, oh, and I want to be a writer as well. How, how did the writing bug hit, hit you? I mean, I've, I've enjoyed writing my entire life. And, you know, even as a teenager, I've got reams of really terrible stories that uh, you know I tried to pen. So I think being a writer was always something that was in my interest. Um, you have to write a lot as a uh, as a lawyer and as a law professor. And um, I've actually been a columnist. Uh, you know, we were also homeschoolers for several years. I know that uh, that's something that you're involved with too. And um, I, I'm still a columnist for Practical Homeschooling Magazine, and I write huh. a legal column for them. Uh, so, uh, you know, I've always written, uh, but I really wanted to, uh, to write a, uh, a book that would really be for youth. And, um, you know, I enjoyed fiction. I enjoy historical fiction. And, and that's, uh, that's kind of how we started thinking of, of this series. Have you written other books? 
Uh, well, at this point, I have. Um, you know, of course, every author's got several manuscripts sitting in their drawer that yeah. are unpublished, and I definitely have a few of those. Uh, but this is the first of a series, uh, yeah. and there's already two other books that will be coming out in the series. You know, I wrote another uh, another in the series this summer, um, and so uh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is published by Loyola Press, uh, came out in July. So just uh, this last summer, middle school historical novel for kids aged eight and up. And I know that nowadays the big question is, do I self-publish? Do I get, you know, one of these Catholic publishers? I know there's pros and cons. I went through the same thing. So uh, how, how, how did that work out, the relationship with Loyola? Well, uh, it really was a gift from God because I was on the verge of um, of self-publishing, and I had actually procrastinated um, doing it. And uh, and I'm a member of the National Catholic Writers Guild, which we actually do have a uh, an associated chapter here in Dallas, Fort Worth. I don't know if you're familiar with that, so you might want to join it as a Catholic writer. <laughs> um, but uh, I went to a conference in. Um, in Chicago, and one of my friends in the Writers Guild just happened to be um, planning a dinner with one of the acquisitions editors at Loyola Press, and Loyola was starting to look at the possibility of getting into middle school-type fiction, and they hadn't really done that before. And so we kind of just had a dinner to talk about, you know, um, I think, you know, he seemed to be inquiring, like, well, what would it take to have a middle school fiction line and it just so happened, I was like, well, you know, I have this, you know, book that I was about to self-publish. And uh, so it really just, you know, providentially fell into my lap because then I gave him a copy of the book. And, and you know, a few years, of course, down the road, as, as you know, this takes <laughs> takes a while mm-hmm. to get Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I really just thank God because um, there's no way that I, you know, could have seen that one coming. Yeah. Uh, Tony Tony Kalank is my guest. Uh, his book is called Shadow in the Dark. It's the first of a three book series. It just was published this uh, this you know this summer, uh, just a couple of months ago. I'm going to read just a quick summary plot paragraph, and I'm curious how the idea kind of pops into your mind. Why this time period? Uh, you know what 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 the inspiration was. It says. Uh, in 12th century England, an, an attack by bandits in the middle of the night leaves a young boy with no memory of who he is or where he is from. Nursed back to health by the devoted monks in a Benedictine abbey, he takes the name Alexander, or Zan for short, aided by the kindly brother Andrew and his best friend Lucy. Zan commits himself to finding out who he really is. Is his family still alive? Why has God allowed him so much suffering in his life? And who or what? Is the shadowy figure creeping around the abbey in the dead of the night? Well, that's that's a, that's it's intriguing. So, how did this this whole thing kind of pop up in your mind, or where did it come from? You know, um, it actually the idea came to me crossing the country uh, from Florida to um, Colorado Springs uh, on a uh, military move. And talking to my son, who was a teenage and homeschooled at the time, and, you know, Harry Potter is so popular. And, you know, it was like, wouldn't it be great if we had, like, a really kind of spooky series that would have some adventure and mystery and spookiness, sort of like Harry Potter, but also would touch on some really great themes that, um, you know, homeschooled kids and, and uh, you know, just people who wanted good family values would feel comfortable with. And at the same time, you know, where would we set such a book? You know, it's got to be somewhere really cool. I really like, um, you know, English history and, 
you know, that this period of time that I, I set the books in is uh, a very exciting period of time, actually. It's, uh, you know, it's about 15 years after um, the uh, the martyrdom of uh, St. Thomas Becket. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of king and church, you know, King Henry II and a lot of uh, king and church conflict going on. It's set right between the Second and Third Crusades. So, in fact, in some of my later books, I'm, I'm hoping I can get my uh, protagonist into the Crusade, uh, Third Crusade perhaps. Uh, you know, we're just about 15 or 20 years right before St. Francis and St. Dominic. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. just a lot of really... Aquinas is you know, around the corner and Albert and Bonaventure. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's so much um, going on in this time period. And uh, and it's still like, you know, the Wild West out there yeah. with bandits and, and that type of thing. Yeah, and you, you mentioned Harry Potter, and I know Harry Potter, some, some Catholics think it's from the devil, some Catholics love it, people that I trust, you know, but if you're looking at that, that segment of the population that just doesn't feel comfortable with Harry Potter for their kids, this is a good alternative because it's, it's, it's got the Catholic themes and also the, the historical fiction aspect of it. The, 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 there's some hist- history, like you say, the Crusades and the Kings and all that that's thrown in. So kids are going to learn something that, that's, that's real history in reading the, the, the series, huh? Right. Yeah. And you know, as, as, as a homeschooler, um, you're always trying to figure out ways to, you know, educate your children creatively and get them to really enjoy, yeah. you know, learning. And that was also, you know, part of the reason I wanted it to be a historical fiction book. Uh, Loyola has done a great job of preparing like curriculum materials that educators and students and teachers can use. And, and I really envision the series as being a supplement to, you know, something you could use with like a, a history or, or literature curriculum. I'm, um, you know, hoping that, you know, we'll even see it in, in some of the schools because, you know, you learn about, in this first book especially, you learn about monasticism in the Middle Ages. You learn about, you know, the, the, the struggles between church and and you know king, uh, you learn about how the monks and, and nuns of that time really saved Western civilization by you know um, how they copied the scriptures and the classics of Rome and Greece and you know you just learn a lot about feudalism. I mean, there's just so much you know if you're learning about the Middle Ages that you learn in these in these books and. Um, so yeah, that that's exciting too. Yeah, sounds like unlike something like the Da Vinci Code, you read this, and a child or an adult who reads it is going to come away with a more positive view of the church. It sounds like even the, the Benedictine monks are a positive influence in this this kid's life, and that and it's not not, not that the church is not there has been scandal and there's been a lot of bad stuff, but uh, your goal is to it sounds like to to make the the, the church be more. Uh, positive than negative. Well, yeah, I don't want to scandalize the church by any means, and and I, I think we don't we don't give enough credit to the holy men and women, you know, in any age who yeah. have devoted their lives to serving God. And so, you know, there are a lot of very positive role models in the series. Uh, there's also, you know, some corruption and some, you know, corrupt figures in the series. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it needs to be true to life. Uh, at the time of uh, this book, you know, the Cistercian. Um, you know, white monks had come along not too far before this in this, you know, that same century to reform monasticism because there were a lot of corrupt, you know, Benedictine uh, monasteries. And, and so, um, you know, this, this monastery that my protagonist winds up at actually is sort of like a, you know, trying to be a reformed Benedictine monastery, mm-hmm. if you will. But, you know, we can't, we can't whitewash the, the reality that there is, uh, 
you know, there are always, you know, corruption and, uh, you know, in the world. Uh, but the, 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 you know, role models for Zan and, and Lucy in this, uh, in this novel are, are mostly all positive. Obviously, there's some bad guys and bandits and things like that. Yeah. The second and third book in the series, The Haunted Cathedral and The Fire of Eden, uh, you've got one coming out February of next year, one in July of 2021. You've got this all planned out. Uh, have these been written yet? Are they on? Uh, they you know, are, yeah. They're, they're Loyola done. has got, I mean, uh, you're, they've got the covers done. Uh, it's gone into final editing. So these are definitely coming out, Lord willing. Uh, the coronavirus yeah. kind of threw us a few curveballs. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, and 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 Zan and Lucy really do go on um, several other adventures uh, and and run into other historical. Um, you know, the, the second book is actually set mostly in Lincoln, England, uh, and Lincoln Cathedral uh, is is kind of the the big set. Is you know, is it haunted? And, yeah. and there's some very significant historical event that occurs in that cathedral, which I was able to tie into the plot of the book. Um, you know, and that's what I love about historical fiction too, is because you can just see what's going on in history, and 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 it just presents many opportunities. Did you did you travel to England for? I mean, have you been there uh, to 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 visualize the kind of cathedrals you're talking about? I did in 2015. I actually got to teach a a course in uh, France for the summer, and so I took two weeks out of uh, that summer. And uh, as like I was back in college or something, went traipsing around the United Kingdom on what I call my Zan tour. And I went to all the areas that I'm writing about. I went to Lincoln and Yorkshire and, you know, some of the abbeys and um, and really just tried to, you know, I mean, obviously we're far removed in history yeah. um, from that. But uh, I found that that was very beneficial and I've, I've used a lot that I experienced and, and saw um, on that journey to sort of, uh, make the books more realistic. Mm -hmm. So one of the, the the books are written. You got your publisher, and obviously publicity, marketing, getting the word out. Uh, you kind of I sometimes wonder, like with uh, J.K. Rowling, you know, with the, the the Harry Potter, which is the classic example of just something that just goes you know crazy popular. What was the tipping point, or what? Uh, obviously, you're doing interviews like this, and you reached out to me. But what's the marketing strategy? How do you, how do you get the word out about the books? You know, I mean, I think. Uh, Places like this are the great place to get the word out. I was on Catholic TV on the This Is The Day um, talk show a few weeks ago with Bishop Reed. Um, you know, they're out of Boston. And, uh, and, and doing these types of interviews, I think, is probably very beneficial. Obviously, Loyola has a, a marketing strategy because they also sell a lot of curriculum in, you know, um, for CCD and for Catholic schools. So there's some of that. Um, but, yeah, I, doing book signings at stores – you know, it's, it's fun, but you know, mm. you're not going to reach a lot of people that way. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd love to do some book signings in, in Dallas yeah. for sure. Well, there's, uh, have you been in touch with any of the Catholic bookstores? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm reaching out to, uh, to some in the area. Yeah. So, yeah. Sacred Heart Books in Dallas and there's Little Angels and there's Divine Mercy and there's a lot of that. And they're all one, the people that run these are just the, 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 the best people in the world. Tony Colink is my guest. Uh, he is a local author, law professor and, uh, father, uh, grandfather. Father, uh, and uh, and his book is called Shadow in the Dark, uh, released by Loyola Press uh, in July. I'm always curious when you when you write a book, uh, are you thinking of the movie that could be made about <laughs> it? Are you visualizing? Uh, you, know, you, you know, obviously that would probably be a dream of any authors that their book turns into a movie. Is, is that kind of in the back of your head that well, this, uh, this might happen, or somebody picks it up? Lord willing. Um, 
Yeah, I wrote the book cinematically. And in fact, um, CatholicMom.com did a, a review of it. And that's actually what the reviewer said is, you know, I don't always say that, you know, a book would make a great movie, but this book would. And because I yeah. wrote it, you know, kind of with Harry Potter and that, you know, kind of model in my mind and, and with the model of a modern uh, a modern mystery thriller, you know, for kids, which, you know, has to be very different mm-hmm. um, than uh, the old model back, you know, 100 years ago. Yeah. Have you had some young people in the age category, the uh, 9, 10, 11 year olds read it and give you any feedback or what are they saying? They they love it. I mean, honestly, the kids love it because it's 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 spooky and adventure. It's not preachy. Yes, there's kind of religious themes, but it's not, that's not what drives the plot. It's an organic you know, plot and, mm-hmm. and it's meant to be, you know, very suspenseful for kids. And then their parents love it because they can see, you know, the books are about vocation. They're about forgiveness. They're about, you know, suffering and, and, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? And, you know, Zan and Lucy, I, I don't want to leave out his best friend, Lucy, for our, our, our female readers. Um, you know, they both have to face a lot of issues and, um, you know, so the parents kind of like that aspect of it. So I've gotten very positive feedback on all fronts, uh, even adults who've read the book. Um, Catholic Reads did a, a review the other day and, and said, wow, you know, as an adult, I'm beguiled by this book mm-hmm. also. How old is Anne Lucy in the book? Uh, they start off at, at 11, uh, 12 years old in these first few books, and, and they'll work their way through their teens, I think, uh, yeah. as we go. Yeah, very good. You got anything, other, other projects in the works? Uh, a few things uh, that I'm 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 looking at doing, but this series, um, you know, hopefully will continue to be written, and uh, you know, I'd love to see a spinoff series for Lucy. Honestly, that's what I was oh, yeah, thinking yeah. of right now. Run on, get off, and get her own uh, her own that's series. Right, that's what I'm considering. And on a personal level, uh, do you think North Texas is going to be your home for the for the long term? Are you, is your family going to come? Or it, it looks that way. We've got some some business to tie up in Florida, um, yeah. so I'm doing kind of the long term commute. Uh, commute right now, long distance commute. But, uh, you know, I've taken this job at the university and it's a tenure, you know, track position. So I'm hoping to be here for a long time. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, Tony Kolek is uh, my guest. Shadow in the Dark is the name. Uh, People can get it. uh, What way? You can get it, you know, clearly on Amazon, on the Loyola website, anywhere like that. And, And I would encourage you to buy from your Catholic bookstores. I mean, I'm hoping that they will shelve it and you know, go in and ask for it. And I think we should be giving our business to local Catholic bookstores as much as we can also. Amen. I always uh, pre- preach that as well. It's very important to support them. I know a lot of them are struggling, especially right. in the COVID age. So uh, thanks for what you do. It sounds like a, a wonderful series. I, I'm excited to to read this with my kids or give it to my, um, my, my, my daughters and uh, get their feedback. And I'll sure, certainly send it to you as well. Shadow in the Dark, it's the Harwood Mysteries series. Book one by uh, um, Anthony. That's your officially your name. That's huh? my official name, Anthony. Anthony. All right, Baron Colink. Uh, yes. oh, that's a great uh, author name. <laughs> All right, thanks so much. Thank uh, good you good so to much, meet Dave. you Appreciate and uh, and uh, check it out and go to local Catholic bookstores or wherever books are sold. Uh, this has been the interview of the week. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks to Diane Xavier for running the board. And if you have any suggestions for future shows, you can. Contact me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Have a great rest of your weekend. 
The Catholic Homeschool Conference invites all teenagers and their parents to attend their career and college fair from Thursday, October 15th through Saturday, October 17th. This free, live, and recorded virtual event brings a range of expert speakers ready to guide your teen as they contemplate life after high school. Topics will focus on preparing for college, military, and trade programs, career exploration, and vocation discernment. Speakers will include Father Robert Spitzer, Carol Reynolds, and Bill Donahue. To register, visit catholichomeschoolconference.com. Hello, Catholic Life Insurance is a family-focused company that offers life insurance and retirement benefit plans. We are proud to support the mission of Catholic Radio on KATH 910 AM. To learn more about Catholic Life Insurance, you can contact Larry Lindzen or David Walker in our Dallas office at 972-484-3000. Again, 972-484-3000. We look forward to hearing from you. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in on this beautiful October 3rd. This is the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. I am Dave Palmer, host of this program, executive director of the station, and uh, Diane Xavier is running the board. And, you know, we talk about a lot of different topics on this uh, show, and I always say if it's local and Catholic, it fits the format of this program, and I recently was contacted by a local doctor by the name of Dr. Jeff Thompson, and he had asked if we could promote what's called the White Mass for Healthcare Professionals, which is actually going to be one week from today on October 10th. And I'm familiar with it, and I said, yeah, sure, let's let's do that. And so I invited him in, and despite uh, what I'm sure is a very busy schedule, he's here in studio with me, and uh, it's uh, good to have Dr. Jeff Thompson, parishioner at St. Rita Parish. He's uh, practices as a nephrologist, which I learned is a kidney doctor. And uh, Dr. Thompson has uh, a wife and four kids and one grandchild who is about a year and a half, right? That's, yes. And uh, not spoiled at all, I'm sure. Horribly spoiled. <laughs> well, welcome. Thanks for coming in. Good to see you. Good to see you. All right, let's a uh, little bit about yourself, uh, a nephrologist. I asked you before we got on, how did you choose among all the different disciplines and types of doctors and uh, how, how did nephrology kind of, you, you know, strike your fancy and that you decide that that was going to be your profession? So, Dave, when you go to medical school, they rotate, you rotate through different uh, specialties and I uh, liked internal medicine uh, and so when I finished medical school, I started training in internal medicine. Uh, in internal medicine, you have uh, uh, specialties or general uh, internal medicine uh, doctors, and I I liked uh, both hematology, oncology, and, and nephrology. But I uh, decided at the end that uh, nephrology was uh, more appealing to me, mm-hmm. and uh, so I pursued uh, that as my career. And you also are a member of what's called the Catholic Physicians Guild of Dallas. They have a website, cathmeddallas.org. And, of course, the uh, the Physicians Guild is, I think, the one who are organizing the White Mass uh, next Saturday. What's, what's the, the Physicians Guild? What's kind of the purpose and meaning uh, behind it? So the Catholic Physicians Guild is a group of uh, Catholic doctors. Um, we meet every other month to uh, discuss our faith, to uh, uh, share things, uh, to uh, bolster each other. Um, and uh, 
we also we hold the white mass every year. Um, we've uh, we meet, meet with the bishop, and um, we're we've held a conference every other year with the Catholic pro life community of the uh, diocese. Um, conference last year was in uh, November. Uh, all day conference on called the Do No Harm Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, we've uh, also are. Uh, Beginning to do some uh, uh, service projects. Yeah, and what what are the the ethical issues of the day that doctors are having to discuss, or kind of the intersection of Catholic faith, Catholic morality, maybe the Hippocratic oath, and then one trying to practice as a doctor or a physician, you know, with a good clear conscience and living, a, you know, according to the Catholic Church teaching. Where 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 what areas are is there any tension in those two? There, there's a huge amount of tension. Yeah. Um, not so much in my field, but in other fields. Uh, there's the, the whole uh, uh, gender identity issue yeah. and uh, uh, gender dysphoria when uh, people don't feel comfortable in the, uh, their, with their biological uh, sex. Um, there's the issue of, uh, of marriage between a, a man and a woman. There's, um, um, of course, uh, uh, abortion, yeah. um, contraception uh, is a, is an issue. Um, not so not so much in Texas uh, now, but possibly in the future, we'll be having to talk about uh, uh, physician assisted suicide. Yeah. And then once you have physician assisted suicide, it's probably not too long till you're talking about euthanasia. Um, and uh, these are all. Uh, Topics in medicine that are um, not only controversial uh, but um, uh, somewhat scary for mm-hmm. a, uh, a Catholic physician who uh, does not want to do physician-assisted suicide. Yeah. There's actually a uh, a movement afoot uh, to that says that uh, if you're a doctor and it's legal, then you must do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't follow your conscience. You must do what's legal. So, um, if a person comes, a patient comes in and says, I want this and it's legal and you know how to do it, you are obliged to do it whether you think it's the right thing to do or not. Um, and, uh, uh, so one of the, uh, functions of the guild is to provide, uh, sort of a backbone, uh, for each other, uh, to, uh, shore ourselves up against, uh, um, what may be a, a significant onslaught in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that anticipated my next question is uh, whether or not there, and of course you can only speak for yourself, but do you sense that there is a general sense of nervousness about what is around the corner? I know in other fields, um, you know, even Supreme Court justices, politicians, people working in various fields feel like sometimes the the teachings of the Catholic Church are not, you know, in line with the prevailing culture and uh, people are feeling like there is some anti-Catholic bias and bigotry that's being, that's rearing its ugly head. And that certainly is true in the healthcare professions, isn't it? It, it's absolutely true in, in healthcare. Um, there's, um, definitely some, um, anti-Catholic bias, yeah. um, in the, uh, in society. Uh, the, um, we're, we're definitely becoming countercultural yeah. at this point. Um, um, there's the uh, 
situation in uh, San Francisco where uh, the churches in San Francisco were not allowed to have mass, uh, but yet uh, uh, bars were allowed to be open and yeah. uh, uh, other other uh, you know liquor stores could be open, but you couldn't attend mass. Yeah. Yeah, didn't make much sense. Yeah. I, I know the the archbishop out there is pushing back against uh, the the civil authorities, and there seems to be some uh, some good news uh, that's happening with that. But all right, well, Doctor Jeff Thompson is my guest. He is a local nephrologist, a member of the Catholic Physicians Guild of Dallas. Their website cathmeddallas.org. and uh, obviously the Physicians Guild is just physicians. It's not nurses and chiropractors. This is a more narrow, but the white mass that we'll talk about now, that's much, a, bit, a much broader net, right, for that? The, the white mass is for all healthcare professionals. Okay. Physicians, nurses, physical therapists, occupational therapists, anybody who cares for people who are ill. Yes, and that's uh, pretty broad. And again, it's going to be next Saturday, a week from today, October 10th. It's going to be at the uh, begin at 5 o'clock at the Cathedral Guadalupe in downtown Dallas with uh, Bishop Edward Edward Burns uh, presiding. And before we get into the White Mass, uh, I, I thought, you know, white comes from the, the, the coat, the white jacket that, uh, that, that the healthcare professionals come. That's where the, the color comes from, right? The color, white mass, it refers to the white coat that doctors wear. Yeah. It's sort of interesting. Doctors didn't always wear uh, white. Uh, that we kind of adopted from uh, laboratory scientists in the early 1900s. Up until that time, most doctors wore black. Um, and it was, it was, uh, Doctors couldn't do much uh, mm-hmm. before the early 1900s, yeah. and uh, uh, so black was somewhat appropriate. Yeah. Black has been the symbol of uh, of death in the past, and uh, so when doctors could do more, they decided they needed to adopt a different attire, uh, and uh, uh, laboratory uh, people were well-respected and Doctors adopted the white coat. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I want to learn more about the history of the white mass, how long it's been going on, and then, of course, the particulars of what will happen next Saturday, October 10th. I do think it's interesting. I, I didn't realize this until you and I spoke before we started recording. I knew there was a red mass for lawyers, a blue mass for you know first responders, police, fi- I guess maybe firemen as well. There's also a gold mass that uh, is that kind of a new thing what is the gold mass so the gold mass is is new it started in i think 2016 uh was uh it's put on by the uh, society for of uh, catholic scientists okay. so it's a uh, for uh, scientists and science students and science educators uh those in the STEM uh, f- uh fields yeah yeah and the history of the white mass how far does it go back so the white mass goes back um in the United States to the, about the 1930s, um, it was, uh, uh, started by the Catholic Medical Association, um, which is the national organization of which we're a local guild, chartered local guild. And, um, they, uh, basically looked at the red mass and said, you know, there's a mass for uh, lawyers, judges, uh, um, politicians, um, there should be a mass for uh, people in the healthcare mm-hmm. uh, field, and uh, so the the red mass goes back to the 1200s. Oh wow, um, long, long time. But the white mass just goes back to the 1930s. The uh, white mass in Dallas only goes back about uh, 
14 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, just one other general question, you know, the healthcare obviously in 2020 is a big issue with the pandemic and uh, Obamacare. And uh, there's uh, other than the, you know, the, the anti-Catholic bias we were talking about and the pressures that uh, medical professionals feel because of that. There, there's a lot going on these days, both politically and legally, and now, you know, pandemic-wise as well. This has been a, a challenging year for healthcare professionals, hasn't it? This has been a been a huge year. Um, the uh, pandemic uh, 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 colors everything, yeah, um, yeah. and has presented a challenge for um, physicians. Obviously, a challenge for everybody. Um, to uh, uh, to deal with, and uh, one of the things the uh, white mass is uh, there for is to uh, uh, support um, healthcare professionals uh, to get a blessing from the bishop mm-hmm. to uh, uh, pray and and uh, give thanks uh, to uh, God and Jesus Christ that uh, we're able to do something uh, about this, and uh, so it's a good opportunity for us to. Get together now. We'll be getting together in a reduced number, uh, according to the uh, the governor's uh, uh, orders, and we'll, everybody will, of course, be wearing masks, and uh, there won't be as much singing as uh, normal. So it'll be uh, we'll be following the the rules that for uh, g- gathering in. Uh, and churches. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, just go over some of the details. I mentioned it begins at five o'clock. Uh, I think you said 250 people or it's, that's what's on this sheet of paper here. 250 people can uh, fit inside the cathedral under the current restrictions. Uh, Bishop Burns will be the celebrant. What else should people know? And, and who's invited? Uh, who, who qualifies under, you know, healthcare professionals? What are some examples? So, as we said before, physical therapists, occupational therapists, nurses, um, pharmacists are invited. Um, basically, anybody who is in the uh, healthcare field, uh-huh. um, uh, counselors, um, uh, social workers. Um, uh, if 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 you think you're in the healthcare field, you're invited. You're not going to be having to like. Check credentials. I no, mean, if you go, yeah, you go. You go now. Yeah. now hopefully, and families too, right? And their families, and hopefully, we have enough room. Um, the uh, you know, the the cathedral, I, I believe, seats nine hundred and ninety. That's the official capacity. Okay. Um, so two hundred and fifty is the estimate, based on the you know six foot uh, distance between parties and every other pew uh, uh, approach. Um, of course, everybody will need to be wearing a mask over their mouth and nose. Um, um, there will be uh, the communion will be distributed in the uh, bread, no wine, um, and uh, so the and the usual cleaning of the uh, sanctuary before and after will take place. Mm-hmm. And you know, you talked about the meetings and how the, the Catholic physicians with the guild can get together and really be a support system for each other. Uh, the spiritual aspect of all this coming together, receive, you know, being together as a body of, uh, healthcare professionals and, uh, being able to receive a blessing and go to mass together. Speak about that. Just how that, uh, edifies this group of people spiritually to be able to, to, to kind of, I guess, gather in, in, in union with your Catholic faith and be together like this. It's very important, uh, for 
uh, people to um, meet together. Um, I think we've seen some of the effects of this with the uh, uh, pandemic and the the social distancing and the lockdown where uh, it, it may be protecting people's physical health, but it's really – uh, damaging people's uh, mental health yeah. and their uh, spiritual well-being to be separated from each other. Uh, so the mass is a, is a time for us to to worship uh, together, and uh, that's extremely important. Do you know if this is going to be live streamed or is it in person only? If somebody wants to to watch it, are you aware whether or not they can stay home and? Put their white to, jacket on and watch, or do they need to? To my be knowledge, it's just in person. But, okay. Uh, um, I'll ask. All right. And again, the website is cathmeddallas.org forward slash. Well, there's upcoming and past events. That's probably a tab on the website. It's a tab. Uh, yeah. Catholic Physicians Guild of Dallas website, the White Mass for Healthcare Professionals next Saturday, October 10th at the Cathedral downtown, beginning at five o'clock. No reception afterwards, right? There's no reception uh, because of the COVID restrictions. Yeah. We want people to keep their masks on uh, when they're in a large group. All right. And what else can people find if they go to that website other than events? Uh, what other resources or links uh, is on that uh, Physicians Guild website? So we have uh, obviously the, the statements about the mission of our of our guild. We have a we're developing a, a list of Catholic physicians. These are physicians who are Catholic members of the guild who have agreed to uh, adhere to the ethical and religious directives uh, for health care that's put out by the uh, USCCB, who follow the the uh, catechism of the Catholic Church and, and the uh, moral and ethical uh, statements issued by uh, the Catholic Medical Association and the uh, National Catholic Bioethics Center. So we're, we're developing that. We're also developing a list of uh, questions you could ask uh, a uh, palliative care or hospice uh, company or entity uh, if you're facing uh, the need to uh, enter hospice or uh, palliative care yourself or have a loved one who is uh, uh, facing that. Um, that's uh, Everybody should get palliative care. Um, everybody should get care. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should have care until the very end. Um, hospice care is a very specialized part of uh, palliative care that's at the very end of, of life. And um, it's uh, unfortunately been subject to some abuses. And so we have, we want to put some guidelines up on the website that's uh, being developed. We have a list of our past events and we have a list of our current events as well as the the uh, um, officers of the and board members of the guild on the website yeah, and again that uh, website cathmeddallas.org uh, catholic physicians guild of dallas if there's somebody listening right now let's say they're 16 17 18 years old about to graduate from from high school and they're thinking about the medical field and they're thinking about going to medical school what would your advice be to them I would say medicine is a great field to go into. I mean, what other field can you go into where you make a living and uh, carry out one of uh, Jesus's commandments to uh, care for the sick? It's uh, um, 
you, you're, it's a twofer. Uh-huh. <laughs> you yeah. get paid to do what Jesus commanded. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I think it's a, it's a wonderful field. I would do it again in, in a heartbeat. Um, my wife is a physician, uh, Myra Thompson, and, uh, I'm sure she would say the same. Yeah. And, it's changed, though. I'm sure when you went into medical school, there were a whole set of, you know, we talked about some of the uh, the things that uh, culturally and uh, legally that uh, you guys have to deal with. Would you say it's a, it's a riskier profession now, or is it just that's kind of part of the, you know, it, it, or it's still, uh, I mean, is it, I guess in a sense it's riskier. I, I, I tend not to view it that way. Yeah. I, I, it's basically... Me and the patient, yeah, and uh, and my job is to uh, figure out what's wrong with the patient, figure out how best to uh, treat the patient, and then to uh, um, implement that with the patient. Yeah, and uh, so it's all about the patient, and uh, that's the that's the the uh, the beauty of the profession. Right. right, and you seem like you enjoy it. When you when you oh, talk when you it. talk about your field, you you, you love it. yeah. They, sometimes you you hear people say, "Oh, the medical profession is so stressful." And it's uh, very but, stressful. Yeah, uh, but I, but I still <laughs> I still love it. Yeah. Well, well, you know, life life has stressful parts. Without every, every part uh, yeah. without yeah. stress, uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't grow. Yes. Uh, well, I thank you for coming in. Uh, we're about out of time, Dr. Jeff Thompson. I've heard of your wife, uh, Myra Thompson, right? Yeah, she, yeah that, she's that, very that, famous. Yeah, that name is. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know where. <laughs> that name I, I just i know i've heard of her i'm not sure where, were but uh, that name sounds very familiar uh so um thank you so much for coming in again i want to direct people to the website cathmeddallas.org there's a link for events and you can find out more about the white mass for healthcare professionals next saturday october 10th beginning at five o'clock bishop edward burns will preside and uh be there with you know, all the other healthcare professionals, make sure you wear your white. You don't have to, but they're you don't have recommending to. it, right? If you, if you wear something different in your line of uh, healthcare, yeah. uh, wear that. Okay. Just bring the, bring your, bring your, your, your traditional your, garb. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, well, thanks so much. Uh, good to, to see you and uh, appreciate you taking some time to be with us today. Again, the, the white mask for healthcare professionals is going to be, uh, on next Saturday, October 10th at the Cathedral, 5 p.m. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. This has been the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week. If you have suggestions for future broadcasts, I are hardly ever have to go out looking because I just let them come to me, and I appreciate people like Dr. Thompson uh, in the, the busyness of his life and job. They took time to let us know about this, and we're promoting it on the radio, and that's part of our mission. If you have any suggestions for future interviews, you can email me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Thank you for listening, and also thank you to, for Diane Xavier for her work uh, producing and board opping this program. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. 
Hi, this is Norma Dwayne with My Mutual Mortgage, a sponsor of KATH 910 AM. My husband, Bob, and I have been longtime supporters of the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are praying for our country and all that are affected by the coronavirus. The drastic fluctuations in the market have caused mortgage rates to drop to record lows. If you'd like an analysis of your current mortgage rate, payment, or term, we can be reached at 817-527-3166. That's 817-527-3166. My Mutual Mortgage is an equal housing lender, NMLS 12901. Hi, you've reached Dave Palmer. Please leave a message after the beep and I'll get back with you as soon as I can. Hey Dave, it's Sissel. Remember those 9 a.m. bumper stickers you asked me to order? Funny story, it seems that instead of 140 stickers, I may have gotten 1,400. So, <laughs> wait, it's our 14th anniversary of being on the air, so we can get 1,400 new bumper stickers on cars to celebrate. And all people have to do is email you at davepalmer at grnonline.com to get one. Never mind, problem solved. Bye. This is Tony Beshera. My wife, Chris, and I own Babbage and Associates. We are the oldest placement and recruitment firm in the state of Texas and proud sponsors of the Guadalupe Radio Network, where you're also members of St. Thomas Aquinas in Dallas. Babbage and Associates offers candidates insights into the current job market and provides professional candidates we have interviewed on a face-to-face basis to our employers. Our number to call is 214-823-9999, or you can find us on the web at Babbage, B-A-B-I-C-H, dot com. Let's face it, how do most kids learn today? Well, through videos, songs, games, and apps. So, what is the best way to help them learn about their faith? Join the ever-lovable Brother Francis and his friends as they journey through the Catholic faith in Adventure Catechism. To learn more or to get your very own copy of Adventure Catechism with Brother Francis, visit BrotherFrancisStore.com. Again, that's BrotherFrancisStore.com. Hi, this is Julie Carrick, host of We Sing Our Faith. I'm happy to be part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. One of the songs I'd like to share with you today is called Hold Me Jesus, written by Rich Mullins. And I had the opportunity to record this with a couple members of the Ragamuffin Band. So now from We Sing Our Faith, Julie Carrick, Hold Me Jesus. Faith just seems so small So hold me, Jesus I'm shaking like a leaf You have been king of my glory Won't you be my prince of peace?
Salvation Army Band is playing this hymn And your grace rings out so deep It makes my resistance seem so thin So hold me Jesus Cause I'm shaking like a leaf You have been king of my glory Won't you be my prince of peace? I'm singing me, Jesus. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 